Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. And do my eyes deceive me? Is this natural sunlight hitting my face for the first time in what feels like forever? I didn't even have to turn any of my ring lights on in my studio. I just let the sun hit my face. Oh my gosh, please tell me spring has finally sprung and we've gotten out of this gloomy, gloomy winter. If you are following me on social media, you may have seen that this week I started a charity fundraiser. I have designed five designs and put them on a whole bunch of merchandise, a whole bunch of merch. These designs were inspired by four of my guests, and then I selfishly made a design that was inspired by myself. (laughs) That's what you can do when you have your own show, guys. Anyway, these five designs are on a whole bunch of merchandise that you can purchase on my website, www.JanetMcMorty, that's J-A-N-E-T-M-C-M-O-R-D-I-E-M-C-M-O-R-D-I.com backslash store, and you can purchase any of these items. Now, these items will be, all the proceeds from these items, sorry, will be donated towards five different charities. These charities were selected by myself, as well as the four guests these designs were inspired by. I've partnered with a really great, I don't know, merchandising making company. I don't know what it would be called. And they are working with me to make sure that as much money as possible goes towards these charities. If you don't want merch, there is a donate button that you can click on on my website and you can donate. And this will go to obviously 100% go to these charities. And I will divide your donation evenly amongst these five charities. And everyone who donates will be entered to win a photo shoot with Studio Aviva. So Farah at Studio Aviva. She is an incredible photographer. You'll see lots of examples of her photography on my social media. She shoots clients in not just Toronto, but Vancouver and Los Angeles. You'll be entered to win a photo shoot with her. So generous of her to donate that. All right, let's get to this week's episode. This is an industry episode again this week, everybody. My guest this week is Courtney Harrell. Courtney is a screenwriter and a developmental editor. Now, I wanted to have a screenwriter on on my podcast I've wanted to have one for a long time because I think so often we hear the funny meme that the actors make the movie. False. It is the screenwriter. It is the person who wrote the dang thing, who has the idea. And we actors don't usually get to hang out or talk to the person who wrote the script. So she takes me through her process and how she writes. She writes very cinematically and how she can visualize who she wants to play the characters in her story. She also has a great story herself. She used to be an actor, so she literally empathizes with what we all have to go through as actors. Please enjoy the incredibly talented snuggles and horror genre screenwriter herself, Courtney Harrell. I started creating a podcast as well. Um, uh, my dad had always told me that I'm related to Edgar Allan Poe, which is awesome. So I actually want to go on a deep dive into like, you know, is that true? What are the stories we're told in our like ancestral past down? Like, why do we get told these things? And like, you know, it'd be kind of both about like your family ancestry, but also like, am I actually related? And are all these people related to Edgar Allan Poe? Oh, that's so interesting. Because we do get that, right? Like, I can think of so many people. Yeah. Like, just, again, just stories. Is it true or not? And also, does it matter? Because those stories are really neat that are sent down. But that's, that's, that's really, really cool. And it would make sense if you were, because then you got, like, the genetic predisposition to writing cool stuff. I know. I'd be like, thanks, man. Because I also write, like, really kind of dark, you know, but type stuff. So, Yeah. <laughs> Tell me your story. How did you get to where you are now? Because I know you have a theater background. Oh, yeah. So that goes way back. So let's see. I'll start there and I'll be real quick about it. Um, I did do I grew up in San Marcos, Texas. I grew up doing theater um, in high school and I really wanted to work in film. But there wasn't like at that time, like a film program and there wasn't like a big um you know, just kind of like your own, like follow your creativity paths in schools at that time. 
So I really wanted to go to USC film school, but you know, it's was really expensive even at that time. And I went to um, Texas State University and got my degree in theater. And while I was there, I interned at the Texas Film Commission. And I kind of like got my um, first gig in the film industry from that. So it just kind of was like a stair step of theater to film to production assisting to like kind of working on varsity blues and like hanging out with the camera assistants. And then I learned to load film and then I got in the camera department. Um, then I produced commercials and then I also was writing on the side and just kind of like, you know, have been now working with clients, helping them develop their stories, but also focusing on my own novels. And I have some screenplays as well. So that's the quick. Yeah. (laughs) Were you always a pretty creative person, do you think, growing up? Like, what brought you into theater school? Yeah, I was. And I can honestly say I didn't necessarily um, have the support, I suppose, to follow that creativity. But I didn't necessarily have the, like, grounding to know that I could take that as a path. And But I wanted it to be a path. So, you know, as a kid, I would like dump out the bean bags and pull together my like He-Man and like G.I. Joe's and like make little snow planets and tell stories, you know, Um, it was super fun and a mess. (laughs) Most of the people I chat with who are like what I'm calling these second act actors, right? People who got into acting after a different career had kind of had a bit of not negativity because we lots of us had lovely upbringings, but there was kind of this push towards like no, that's not a good creative career, even though there was that creativity and storytelling that was so obvious as a child. Did you have that at all? Or were you pretty um, like supported in going into theater? Surprisingly, I was really supported to go into theater. And I I think the thing that like, while I didn't have negativity around like, that's not a degree or a path, I didn't get, um, I didn't have a lot of grounding in myself, you know, like, like trusting my intuition, like that was a very long process into adulthood of like, I think I grew up in Texas and we didn't, you know, like have a lot of deep conversations. There wasn't a lot of like, what are you feeling? Or like, you know, like, you know, to like really like look into yourself and say like, oh, I'm okay. I can take care of myself. It was kind of more this idea of people doing cool things like making movies or being pro sport athletes were kind of like special people like they were just really talented but like but there was like that conversation of like not that I was told I wasn't but it was like the conversation of like they're other people we're just kind of you know people they're like special so I think it took a lot for me to trust my intuition and trust myself it's interesting so I just had a conversation with an actor from originally from Texas as well, too. And he came from a very traditional, he was a football player and he was like a god in Texas. And he he was like, I remember going to whatever university on a football scholarship and like walking past the theater and just like crying inside, like wishing I could do that, but like wasn't supported because like that was the culture he was raised in. Um do you think that's unique to where to like to Texas? Are we blaming Texas? But like, you're not the first person who's mentioned that as being like this group of artists is other and we're just normal civilians. Like, any thoughts on that? God, that's really interesting. Like, I I mean, I definitely think like football and kind of traditional sort of things are um, kind of like you know, in that arena, in these kind of areas of the country, maybe because the opportunities aren't there as much, even though, like, I mean, I worked in the Austin film scene, and that was really growing. But at the time, there were like, you know, like a couple of major players like Rodriguez and, um, you know, Richard Linklater. And you're like, oh, they're special. But like, I want to do things like they're doing. And there was kind of like that, even like that prompt, like, uh, pumping up of of the community too, like they're really cool, you know. But like everybody else is just kind of like helping them, and you know, I, I maybe that is just kind of like living in a more traditional kind of like conservative arena where people tend to think, um, you know, we 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 do we do like late manual labor and that's good enough, and that is good. That's everything is good enough, you know. 
But it's like, I think if somebody has like a really deep wanting for something, I really want to support them to be that or do that or explore that. I wonder if there's not as, and I see this in, I see this in just, I think, enacting in general kind of society's definition of what like a successful creative is. Like, it's not celebrated to be pursuing it. You're celebrated when you're already there. Like, when you've achieved Oh, my God. Right? And so then nobody is helping people pursue because they're like, no, I just want to celebrate the people who are already there. You're like, but I need to, how are we going to get more people there if we don't celebrate the journey all the way up? Right? Yeah. And and, and that's a, that's a like, a, that's something that I really, like, pay attention to, too, because for my, for myself, it's like, you often see the finished product and then it feels so hard to get there that it kind of continues to promote this idea of like, those are really special people who somehow magically can like complete, you know, this or publish this or make this movie. But like, we don't get a lot of like all the stress and like the 20 years it took them to get there or the 10 films they did that were shit that they threw away. And I like, I'm going to, I'm going to be releasing a book, um, a novella, a vampire novella in um, October 11th to kind of set you up for Halloween. And it's a prequel to my series Into the Darkness. And what I want to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer it for free on my website. I'm also going to sell it for like, I don't know, 99 cents or something. But the, And there's going to be like a, a URL to a bonus content page to show you like the behind the scenes, like how long it took me. Here's some info about, here's my first like, outline here's how different it is here's like a little bit about the process i went through because i feel like it took me a year i thought i'd crank it out in two weeks and this is just a novella and i'm like oh my god but i think by going through those struggles you start to also when you give yourself really hard deadlines you start to just be like hey this is good just get this out and next time i can improve on this thing or you know oh here's what i learned on this and i i think that we just don't see enough of the behind the scenes well, we see we see that like, yeah, the, uh, the picture perfect curated version of it. And I think, you know, people do kind of want to see that because it is the American dream, right? Like they want to see that it's achievable to do this and that it is possible. But when you kind of do that reality check of the, str- the struggle and the all the stuff that's below the surface of the iceberg that you see on top, people are kind of like, oh, that's discouraging. I thought I could just get plucked from obscurity like I'm supposed to, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really that's really cool. I'm excited to see that. Um so h- how did you get into writing? How did that start? You know, it's funny because I actually never thought like when I was a kid I wasn't thinking about being a writer. I just loved telling stories with my like I just I think I love daydreaming honestly because I can see these worlds and stories in my head. And like my writing is very visual and I've been told, <laughs> I've been told that a lot. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to embrace that. You know, it's like some people write more prosy. I write kind of more cinematic and that's just, I'm in the world when I'm doing it. Um, and like, I think I, I got into it because I just, I had these stories and I wanted to tell them. And for me, there hasn't quite yet been the medium that I think my, my brain would do the best in because what I kind of visualize is being able to like almost like hook up like a headset and be able to like take the images I see in my head and put them into like a augmented reality sort of thing and then I could like use my hands to like edit like you pull out this scene and you put this one here I mean it's gonna happen in the future but it's I just had to find a way to get these stories out and it turned out to be writing was the the only way right now and so where do your ideas come from because they they are they are so visual and like as soon as I started reading I could and again maybe it's maybe it's just because I have a similar brain to yours where I read something and I can see the world around it I can see the movie that would be made yeah so do you write Sweet. the idea I love it um, <laughs> I'm very pro- very very happy that, that that's the way my brain goes um so do, when you write do you write with the thought of this could be a movie or is it just that's 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 not the end game that's just how you output i think it's both yeah Yeah, it makes sense it's like it is how i output but it's i absolutely see these stories like that they would do really well as a movie you know they would do really well on film 
because they are really cinematic and they're really like, I have this natural kind of like, I write really action packed sort of stuff. There's a lot of movement, you know, and, um, and a lot of exciting kind of like colorful, like there's, it's just very colorful and vivid in my head. So to me, it is a movie. It's a movie playing out that I'm just trying to capture in words as best that I can while also just like literally being in the movie in my head, like you're, like you're talking about. It's interesting because I have a I have a really good friend who I work with who she's not a reader because when she reads and again brains are so interesting right she, when she reads she doesn't visually see around her she just hears the narration in her head and it drives her nuts and I'm like oh that's so interesting and I was like oh maybe fiction books would be better because that would be more imagination she's like fiction books are worse because like it's just yeah right it's like this and so i think it's really fascinating how people how people see words on a page and how they um, what happens up here like it's just so it's so interesting to me for for you i mean can i take me into kind of your screenplay world i want to go back to the the uh, the writing the books as well too but i think for myself as an actor learning about the entertainment industry and you've been a lot of different roles in the entertainment industry now kind of screenwriting what do you have any advice for actors especially those of us who are who didn't go to film school or theater school on how to kind of get more into your the brain of the screenwriter like and the role of the screenwriter yeah okay wait so explain that a little more are you thinking are you asking like um like what the intention is on the page or like where the story like tell me more about what you yeah yeah I think that yes and also I think the biggest thing I am guilty of and I know I'm not alone is we as actors think we are the center of the universe of the film (laughs) which is not (laughs) we're just like the pawn do the things right where the the beginning of this all the genesis is the is the script right and this and this so the screenwriter and i think we as actors rarely get to interact with who wrote the page and so yeah like yes to the answers yes please answer those questions but also i'm curious about when you write do you think about the acting that will happen or what do you think about when it's going to be in production i do think about it and What's really cool is I've been on, because I have been on many sides of the camera, I actually even did acting too. So I did that in high school, college, I had an agent for a minute. Um, So I plan to play at all these roles, you know. Um, When I was writing the screenplay that, it's on my website, but I'm finishing it up to start pitching it to agents, it's called Proud. Um, I actually just did a table read for that. And the thing is, like, this is, it's like a... um, it's a comedy, which I don't normally think of myself as comedy, but it's really fun. It's like Overboard meets Love, Simon. It's really fun about like a, you know, a coming out guy in San Francisco and his anti-gay rights grandmother and they clash and she gets amnesia and he kind of like rebuilds his world to make her believe that she was actually a supporter. And it takes place in San Francisco. It's really vibrant. There's DJ music and all kinds of fun. And it's a definitely coming of age feel good movie between family that kind of like a rekindling a family. Um, so I actually wrote that when I lived in San Francisco and I like really, really thought about this character. Like I, to, to me, she looks like um, the former governor Ann Richards, the former governor of Texas, who was like the last Democrat in office there. She's very kind of like, you know, like very strong and like this big puffy kind of like white hair and like the way that I envisioned that the grandmother in this, like I I see her acting when I'm reading it on the page, like I see it. And when I did the table read, it was so interesting to see like a slightly different take. But then we had a conversation like this actress just kind of like whipped it around. And then it was just like seeing the movie in my head right in front of me. And that was so cool to just like get this story just like brought to life and see how these jokes played out and did they or like how did somebody interpret this character and maybe I got a different take that even works better you know it was really fun I've been told a couple times from from casting directors like when we go and audition for stuff and we get the sides um, that we have to audition for a lot of times they this is the first time that either this the writer or the director is actually 
hearing it out loud. Is that the case for you or do you kind of verbalize it out loud and kind of hear what it sounds like when you're not just reading the page? Like I absolutely hear it in my head. And I think it's something that it's it's funny because I would think with, you know, if I got to that point, when I get to that point in production, I would definitely want to hear it a few times because I also would want the people, you know, who were, well, I guess it makes sense if you're in casting, you haven't quite cast somebody yet that, but like, I feel like it's kind of strange to only hear that for the first time because you kind of don't know how somebody's going to interpret it or does that joke work or, you know, I feel like it's kind of important to read it out loud, but I can't say that I read all my stuff out loud also. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It is. Yeah, so you have you have the, the screenplay. More of a kind of technical question for you. So if you write a screenplay, what do you do with it? Like, how do you make it? How do you make it go? <laughs> uh, make it go where? <laughs> I don't know. On the screen. Like what so you were saying finding agents. Was that kind of the next like just logical academics like the next step up the ladder? Yeah. I think it's like you can do multiple things in the world, right? Because we do have more access to um gear equipment to film it ourselves. And I think like I, I kind of go back and forth like my you know, short stories on my website, I've published myself, like I actually built them, I did some of the artwork for the covers, or I outsourced one of the covers. Um, and I actually had a lot of fun doing that. But I think that like, for the screenplay, because for me, I see this, I see it playing really well on Netflix, like somewhere like that, where there's like a young audience who definitely loves LGBTQ stuff, and comedy and kind of like that hijinks zany kind of charming story. It really suits that crowd. Um, so, you know, and then Netflix doesn't really take unsolicited pitches. So then I would need to go through an agent to get it. And I and I do kind of feel like it would be really nice to work with somebody who, um, agent or manager who could kind of like brainstorm and like spitball ideas with me about career momentum, because that is, you may experience this too. It's like, it's great to be surrounded by our peers who are doing the same things, but then it's like, when do we, how do we get outside of this realm, you know, and like, indie publishing is a big world, but it's like, you know, maybe there's like kind of a another direction I could go with traditional or with, you know, films or, you know, yeah. It's interesting. It's just interesting to hear, again, just learning about other parts of the industry that we kind of, again, because we're as actors, narcissists. <laughs> it is weird. I think it's so important to learn about how how that process works. And I think that's why I'm so excited to see and hear about the behind the scenes work that it takes to write a story. So yeah, like kind of take me through your process if you don't mind. Like how do you how do you put everything that's here onto page? When you have such a visual mind and we don't quite have the technology to make that beautiful VR thing you were talking about, how do you how do you work with that with your inspiration? First of all, I'm also a Leo, so I'm also a narcissist, so I get it. So let's just like be narcissists together. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, it's it's there's never one consistent process for how I do things, but I, I do think that like one thing is like when I was in San Francisco, I joined a workshop with one of my now really good friends. His name's Chris De Lorenzo, and he has these Laguna writer workshops. And that was the first writing that I like did around other people where um, it helped my, ment- my, mon- my momentum kind of get going, which was like we would write during the workshop. There'd be timers. He was always so positive and supportive like we would never criticize each other it became a very safe community where we because you just wrote it there is no reason to start criticizing somebody just like when you perform there's no reason to give you critical feedback it's like let's let's first talk about what is working what do we like about this story what do we remember about this story because that starts to give you some insight into like what you're doing kind of naturally and that really helped me to like take that out of the workshop into my own studio or, you know, my own space and just be like, okay, I'm going to put a timer on. I put, I always get really cozy. I put on these like sound canceling headphones, a hoodie. I mean, like I get like into a nest, you know, it's like my dream space. And I, I write and I just, I just remind myself, don't, no need to criticize. Don't edit as you write. 
you there's plenty of time to edit and i just i just like live in the world and i just kind of like get into the character and what's happening and i usually have some sort of idea and honestly pretty quickly i kind of know where the story's going and where it's going to end and i don't know everything in between but i just if i write things will happen on the page because i'm living in this world and yeah i think that's kind of where i start and after that, I go through a lot of revisions and sometimes I pull out whiteboards and do like almost like, you know, like that, like kind of like roller coaster arc, you know, sort of thing. And like, here's the beginning hook. Here's the middle build. Here's the ending. And that gets a little more brainy. But I I try to stay out of analytical brainy mode as much as possible. But there are times when I kind of need to like plot it a little bit, but I don't start with plotting. Do you still like your revisions? Do you give them to other people? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a team that reads and says, Oh, maybe do this, maybe do that? Yeah, I do. It's really, it's been awesome. Like, I both, I also have worked as a developmental editor. So I have a group of other editors that we all kind of like help, you know, each other and read and give some feedback. And my partner, Brina, is she's like the first line of, feedback because she's first of all she loves my story she's read them all she even um named a genre that my stories fall under that she created and she calls it snuggles and horror so it's like both like you you care about these characters because they're all like you know like ya like you know like 15 year old 12 year old and you care about them and they're getting into these really dark places you kind of just want to like snuggle them and hold them because all these like horrific things are happening around them that i love that it's gonna be the next like um section on like in like the bookstore or whatever yes, <laughs> yes. hashtag snuggles and horror <laughs> so where do you where does that where does the initial inspiration come from like mm. where did this story like say for example like nirvana the one that i'm reading about halfway through like that's like where did that come from where did she come yeah, that was really fun. Like they all kind of come from different places because I can literally be walking down the street and see something. I think usually visuals spark me, right? So that makes sense. And 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 they'll come to me. That one I was going to um, a writer's workshop where we were all going to create a sci-fi world together, a space opera sci-fi world together. And we were all going to write stories within this world, even though the characters don't, they're not the same characters or whatever. Um, I went to Seattle and, um, this guy, Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon were creating these workshops and, or this workshop, this like space. And it's all, all the stories were going into an anthology. And so we had our like, um, two days, like in a meeting room at the museum of pop culture. And then we kind of like roamed around and got, you know, just inspired by things. And for me, I just kept, you know, I kept being drawn to the Nirvana exhibit, which is kind of like where the name came from. Also, the idea of Nirvana, like, you know, just like a perfect kind of feeling in space. And um, Nirvana was like a band that I grew up with. And I just kind of like, you know, I loved it. And I and I started working on the outline for it because we kind of had to like we had to plot it first, which was like a reverse sort of thing for me. It was like kind of hard. Right. And I, I changed it a little bit. But um I got inspired by this kind of like there's this thing called like the rainbow, uh, the rainbow bridge and these like wristbands that light up rainbow and all kinds of stuff in there. And I got inspired by the idea of like darkness and rainbow. It's also how I came up with the website, my website named the dark rainbow dot com. And it just like taking on this persona of like this, both the light and the dark. um, A lot of stuff happened at that. So I got inspired anyways at the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle. And kind of with a sci-fi space opera prompt. For me, like I, I think about, oh, this is going to sound super silly. Um, the, a lot. So myself and a lot of people who I chat with, again, very analytical brains. I would feel like because, so I'm a medical doctor, and so I um, spent a lot of my life prior to switching into acting, doing very sciency based things, and thinking that there wasn't really like an art to it. Um, and so I would fear that like going into a beautiful space like that, looking for inspiration and just not knowing what it is inspiring. Mm. Like, cause I would just mm-hmm. walk in and be like, I got nothing. <laughs> nothing is important. Nothing is good because I think it's a perfectionistic brain. 
like kind of what you were saying that like if I was to walk into an artistic space an art gallery be like what inspires you to write something I'm like I, I don't know because it's just is there a training to that or do you think that's just because you've been so creative your whole life I think that's a really cool question because I think what you're getting at is something that I kind of want to like I kind of want to put back in support to you and anybody who also feels that way, which is, I also have felt that way. And I understand that because it's almost like there's, there's so much, where do I start? Like, how am I going to find the right thing? And I think what I've had to get to, I feel very fortunate that my partner is, she's very intuitive. She's very like, she also does Reiki and hypnotherapy and she's also a journalist. So she has both the like, you know, intuitive side and the very fact checking side. But something that she puts back on me is I do know, I do, I do know what inspires me. If, if I kind of want to encourage that with you and anybody else that's listening to that, like, if you laid out all these photos in front of you, you know, I understand that you might be, or like I'll just say about me, I might be afraid to choose the right one, the perfect one. I'm like, oh my God, this is a big deal. But I think inside there's almost like this little like light bulb or like this, like this, like energy that's kind of saying, but I really like this cat photo. But, but you like, maybe you just don't, you're like, oh, but whatever. Like there's like a skeptical thing that comes up that like, that's not the right answer or like, that's not, but it's like, literally it doesn't matter. It's like, there is something inside of us that says that we're drawn to things and I think the more we listen to that and trust that and like follow that path, it's actually leading us down like, I don't want to say the right way. I'm trying to like get away from the idea of the right and wrong sort of thing. It leads us down the path that we are connected to, I suppose, that we're drawn to. And it's more of a trusting of our own creativity because we're all creative beings, on our inner skeptic, I think at least for a lot of people who came from other more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, sensible <laughs> careers, you know, that inner skeptic has been trained to be so loud, right? Saying, no, you can't, you like that cat photo? No, you need to like the bank. You need to like the credit union. You need to like the RRSP and the sensible shoes. Oh my God. Yeah. Stuff like that. So do you have any advice or any, any kind of techniques or suggestions for how to kind of tune in more to that little light bulb? Because it's like, you're right, it's there, but we just got some loud noises in the way. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I have... I still have to listen to that because I tend to like also put, make a lot of lists and it, yeah. it drives Brina crazy. We we're literally listing yesterday. She's like, I could just, I know, right? See, I'm like, I need this so I can like look at them. And she's like, but I could just be doing them. I could already be. And I'm like, but it's chaos. And like, <laughs> so um, I think, I think it's like the more we, Okay. It's like, because um, I've had to learn this and it's like, it's there already. It's like the answers are there, not because someone else is telling us or guiding us, but because like, it's already there in you. It's like, I think like, um, it's, okay, so we moved to Oklahoma. We moved to Oklahoma City. We were living on Maui. So that is not a normal move. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um there were a lot of reasons we moved here um but uh the thing is we okay we, we came back from maui after three years and we took a big road trip last summer and we were like let's just go kind of see where we want to live and brina does have some family here but she didn't grow up here she grew up in the bay area but we went on this big road trip and like everywhere we went we were like kind of tuning in to the space like you know we also kind of stated literally while we were sitting on the beach on Maui or like, well, what would be, what would be kind of like next? Like what would be like something we would want? And we really wanted friendliness. We wanted to be able to buy a home. We wanted to be able to be around creative community. We kind of wanted to be in an up and coming kind of creative space where people like really like bring you in instead of excluding you. Cause you're not like hip enough or you're not far enough in your career or like all this kind of, you know, face value stuff instead of like, 
you're a good person and I want to know you more and like, let's create something or like, what are you doing? You know, like, um, we got here and we're like sitting here having lunch at this restaurant. We were like, do we want to move here? So we're like gay pride flags. And like, you know, we were talking with the like bartender and she was really cool. And I was just like, this is weird. Like there's a big film community starting here. And like, we're like, I think, I don't know. I think we want to move here. And we went up to like Minnesota um, to see some of her family. And we kind of like came back or we like went to Texas actually to see mine, came back. And then we like, then we went here again. Anyways, we just kind of like felt the energy and we both kept thinking about it. And I think that that's kind of like what I start to notice and pay attention to is if I'm either like continue to think about it or if there's a feeling that I get about something like that cat photo (laughs) or moving to Oklahoma or in my stories. Like I just, I like feel into, you know, is this the story that I want to write next? And somebody's like, no, you should write this other one because people are really interested in this one. But I'm like, but I don't know. I feel like I need to complete this. And I just have to listen to me because the only person who's going to be affected by not trusting that intuition is me. You know, Hmm. I think a lot of people get, get put on them to have to be a certain way and think a certain way and like, be straight, even if you might be gay or be, you know, be a lawyer because it's a family that, you know, lineage thing. But you're like, I really want to be, a, you know, a writer. Like, if we don't listen to that, we're the ones who suffer. And I think we think that others are going to be affected by that more than they are. Yeah. Because like you were saying, like, if I don't become a lawyer, I'm going to be disappointing my family. I'm going to be doing this, 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 X, Y, Z, other people around me. When truly, like you were saying, I think it really is the only person who's so impacted by it. Everyone else will get over it. Is you, right? And it's your life and your decision. And it becomes actually kind of like a ricochet. Because if you are unhappy and you're resentful and you're angry because you're not doing what you're really feeling inside, you don't listen to yourself you do become a different person or two other people, whether it's to your kids or your partner or like your coworkers or whatever, you might just start to hate your work. And then it's like, they're being affected by it. They're like, God, you're grumpy every day now. And it it does kind of like bounce off of you into the world versus happiness also resonates to other people. Totally. I think that's such a great point. And I think, again, that feeds into we think we're the center of our own little universe. We don't see how much we can impact those around us positively and negatively, right? So yeah, oh, I like that. Do you have any advice for, so we as actors get told all the time because it's such a hard industry to get into, right? There's not many successful actors, which is fine. We're always told you need to create your own things, right? You know, write your own screenplay, write, do your own movies, write your own stuff, Do you have any advice for anybody just starting out, um, starting out writing, starting out writing a screenplay? How that's a that's a big question, because I as a writer, we're told, like, you know, write your thing, publish your thing, like, do the, you know, market, do all your social media. It's just like, God, we're all doing so much right now. And I think that, like, I see the point because definitely we kind of have to be our own promoters. And I, I think the the biggest hurdle probably to maybe the next step in our career is ourselves and needing to just put something out there, period. Because, you know, so what, I, what I'm thinking is that, you know, people ri- like write something really short that you could film, like make it bite-sized, like do something that's so tiny, like a one minute short film. So follow whatever that one kind of topic is and just just write something and maybe have a couple of people read it, obviously, get some feedback, but don't worry about getting it perfect. Like, I think give yourself a deadline, like those 48 hour hour film fests. Like, I'm like, okay, I haven't done one, but I really want to do one because it's kind of like the epitome of getting something done without being perfect and having a hard deadline where it's finished. But then how cool is it that you have something to show And I think that part of the battle, honestly, is just having something to show. I think a lot of people want to do things, but don't, you know, I don't want to say don't prioritize. I don't want to make it a negative. It's like we 
get in our own way that it needs to be like this polished, you know, like Marvel movie that we see and are like, no, just make a little home video on your your phone because at least you have something to show somebody. And you learn so much in the process of like what it's like to write something, to film something, to edit it, to literally complete it and put it up on a streaming, you know, like Vimeo or something. There's a lot of learning in there. And you get to work through some of that like fear and, um, you know, making yourself wrong for not doing it as good as like, you know, Steven Spielberg. It's just like, nah, like, you know, like we can't, but we're holding ourselves to those standards where we literally just need to like, you know, be like a, you know, six-year-old again or like a 10-year-old with like a little Super 8 film thing, you know, and explore and be, yeah, explore, discover. I think that's great advice. And it comes back, right, to what we were talking about at the beginning, right? Like, we aren't celebrated for pursuing it. We're celebrated for being Spielberg. When you're there, that's when we'll say, yes, you are now a writer. You are now a actor. And you're like, no. <laughs> Is there anything that you are looking forward to kind of coming up this year? Anything coming down the pipeline for you? Oh, man. Yeah, well, I mean, of my own stuff, like, I have this vampire prequel the Darkness Inside. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's set in like 1800 Paris. And it's the origin story of a vampire who, teen, it's YA, but it, um, it's the origin story of this like, you know, teen who is seeking revenge and, you know, maybe finds the only way to do it is to die, <laughs> you know. But it sets up a big character that's in my series, Into the Darkness, that is a three-book series, a vampire story. And that one is kind of, it's like Oliver Twist meets the Lost Boys. It's like gang of vampire boys, 1900 New York City. You know, there's not like this crush and love stuff, which I read all the Twilights, but I'm like, it's not that kind of vampire stuff. It's like, it's gritty. It's like the outsiders, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. So that, and then, then proud, you know, which is my, the screenplay that I'm going to be pitching to agents. So those I'm really excited to get out into the world. And yeah, that's what I'm excited about. You'd mentioned your family and your partner a bit. Would they describe you as a writer or how would they describe what you do for a living or just like with your life? I don't know how my parents would describe me. That's an interesting question. I, I think like, so many times, you know, like my mom is a first grade teacher. Um, she's retired now. My dad worked for um, a phone company, you know, like being like the blue collar kind of like, you know, fixing telephone lines sort of things. And um, so like they, <laughs> I think a lot of times my parents say like, I don't know where you got it from. And I also at the same time, I'm told I'm related to Edgar Allan Poe. So I think that's kind of interesting to be like, if that's true, maybe that's where I got it from. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, I have no idea. I think they I think they just think that I'm kind of fun and creative and that they don't know how I got it. But I, I kind of just imagine they must have some creativity in them as well that they maybe haven't explored, you know? Um. Yeah, but my partner would call me a writer. Yeah. So I usually ask the actors like any favorite or fun on set stories. Um, same question to you, but it doesn't have to be on set. Like anything that you've done just in your life with your writing, with entertainment, with creativity, any story that has really impacted you? Oh, let's see. This is so interesting because there's there have been a lot of things that have impacted my writing, but I, uh, the one thing that was coming to mind for me is so kind of unrelated, but it is on film set. So that's like, I, when I was in the camera department, I got, um, I got to work on this movie called The Guardian, which was like a Kevin Costner res Coast Guard rescue swimmer movie. But I was like filming on the second unit stuff. So we were, uh, we were, we went to a bunch of places, but one was Kodiak Island, Alaska. And, I got to go up in like the Coast Guard helicopter and it was so like thrilling and like kind of like nerve wracking, but also just like, okay, I'm with like legit professionals. And it was so funny to see like how exciting it was for me to be doing something that was so ordinary for them, but 
It was something that was so ordinary for them that became very thrilling and different for them because we had another helicopter flying behind us. And so while me and my uh, camera operator were filming inside, we're like filming over the shoulders of like Coast Guard, you know, you know, pilots, like we were being filmed by a helicopter that had a camera mount on the front. So these Coast Guard pilots were like doing bank turns and like all kinds of crazy flying that you see in movies. And they were like, yeah, we don't fly that way. <laughs> like, you know, that's just, that is not how you fly to get to a rescue. You fly direct and like whatever. But meanwhile, we're, they're like, they're doing this movie cinematic things, you know. Um, so it was a really unique experience. <laughs> that's so cool. I, it's funny. I, um, so I do, again, I, I work in the operating room. And I've been I've been do- doing some things. I'm doing some surgical hand doubling, like medical sh- medical TV shows, um, which is hilarious, or like medical consulting. And like I was just thinking what you were saying about how the old adage is: Do you want it to look correct, or do you want it to look good? And the director wants it to look good. But the consultants or the pilots of the helicopters are like, but this is not correct. <laughs> like, but it doesn't look good if you just, just fly straight to the destination and land. You need to make it swoopy and exciting. It's the same with like any of the operations and stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is how they would do it. And the director's like, well, that's boring. Can you f- like flare it up a bit? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. But there is something about, I think, the idea of, when it's routine for you and exciting for someone else, that really, I know, fuels my creative fire. Mm-hmm. Um, like anytime I'm on a set and it's just so new to me, I'm usually just like, oh, it's like about Disneyland. And the, you know, I was on a set a couple weeks ago and the director's like, God, you're just too excited about everything. And I'm like, well, you do this every day. And I don't like if you like you said, if you were to come into the operating room, like we've had people like watch and stuff. Like I had the actress who I was doubling came in to watch me actually work. She was like, this is amazing. I'm like, I do this every day. Right. So it is, it is cool to have that experience and to feel that excitement from someone else. Yes. Yes. And I want to push back and say, like, if that director said that and they were kind of snarky about it, big F you, because it's like, Hey, there is no two. You're too much. If somebody says that they're actually probably feeling like they're too boring inside. So like if somebody criticizes, us i think you know we're just so used to feeling bad about it but it's like nobody gets to do that let's push it back on them and let them kind of figure out their stuff because you're perfect that is such a good point that is such a good point we just have to deal with too much criticism that's so true do you have any final no pressure but final words of wisdom or advice or anything like that well it's actually what's coming up for me in this moment is actually um to you and to other actors. So having been a producer on commercials, one thing that really stuck with me and also having acted, it's like there there were times when I'd be in commercials and we would have people, you know, come in and they would read the part so great. And what happens is we're, we're literally putting people in the categories and we were debating between people. Like they did great for this and they did so good too. And like, how do we choose between them? And you a lot of times people get picked because of you know you never know it's like they look good with this other person that we're casting or they had this strange like we cast this guy who was a model but it was supposed to be kind of comedic and he had this like rib that was a little more poked out and like he pro- he made it more prominent you know and like we chose him because of that too you know it's like so i think what i want to say is you're doing great you you don't get discouraged if you don't get the part you don't get 10 parts you're still doing great you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes and how close you came. And I know that's almost not encouraging, but what I want to tell you is like, don't feel bad. Don't give up. Like just keep doing what you're doing and being you because often people get chosen because of like them and their specific look and their, yes, their performance, but also like just, you just never know what that one thing is. And I think I just wanted to make it encouraging that like, if you don't get the part, what you don't get is that also how great you did and how close you came and how we wanted to just say, damn, if there's another role, like we'll think of you, you know? And I think it's hard because we don't get much feedback like that because it's impossible to, because nobody has endless amounts of time to be giving feedback. 
And also nobody wants to be like I've chatted with directors and a casting director who said very similar to that. Right. She's like, I also don't want to tell actors you were so close. Like next time, she's like, I don't want to give them false hope because again, the next time that comes around, it's going to be just as unpredictable. But you don't want to get people's hopes up and then crush them. But also they're doing good work. (laughs) They're doing great work. And I think the more you put yourself out there, the more you it's like you're almost like it's like the lottery. You know, you you put yourself out there 20 times. You only buy one ticket. Like, what are the odds? You know, you kind of just keep going. And if you love doing what you're doing, like just just keeping you and keep putting yourself out there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney, for sharing your story this week. Thank you so much for talking me through the ins and outs of screenwriting, listening to my silly questions about where does the script go once you've made it. If you're interested in learning more about Courtney, what she has to offer as a screenwriter and a developmental editor, all of her ways to contact her are in the show notes below. Her nom de plume is c.darkly. If you want to check out some of her work, she has incredible novellas for sale on her website. There's also the free one that she talked about. Her snuggles and horror genre writing is so good. I highly recommend you check it out. We talked so much about her genre of writing in the podcast you just listened to. So definitely read it and you'll hear exactly what she means by writing cinematically, writing action-packed, the color that's involved in all of her characters and her stories. She is just She's so dang talented, everybody. I'm so thrilled that I got to chat with her. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!